following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Uh, and finally, go ahead, open up your phone, uh, that narrative.live. I have some images for you this morning. I thought, oh, maybe just the online people will get it, and the folks who are here will just love how I talk about it, and they'll see it in their mind's eye. And then I thought, aha, technology. Um, So that's on our website. If you scroll down just a little bit past our worship order, you'll see Sermon Media. And click that, and we'll we'll dive into it. Because where I want to start off this morning is a road trip Chelsea and I were taking. Now, we flew, but we were in a rental car at this point. So it was five years ago, our fifth wedding anniversary, we took a trip out to the Pacific Northwest, and we started visiting some friends in Seattle, and then we were going to drive down and spend a night on the ocean, on the Pacific, out there in a place called Seaside, Oregon, and then drive in and spend a couple of days in Portland. And so we, having never driven this part of the country, just plugged it into Google Maps and started the five-hour drive from Seattle down to Portland, to Seaside. And as we're starting to get hungry for lunch, uh, I start looking for places, Chelsea is looking, and next thing you know, we notice on the side of the road a rest area. Now, what I love about this rest area is it was called Dismal Niche Rest Area. And I thought, "Uh uh-huh, that's where I want to stop. Dismal Niche, I'm in. So Chelsea and I pull over and we have, um, you know, a couple different things for lunch. And so we pull that out. We start eating. Well, then we see a sign just down the road and we thought, there's got to be a story here. And sure enough, we walk a little bit further down and find this sign that tells the story of Dismal Niche. And what you find out is as Lewis and Clark were canoeing and making their way up the Columbia River to make it out to the Pacific Ocean to find and discover the way to go. One night, everyone was feeling lousy. Everyone was cold. Some people were sick. They were all getting angry. And so they pull off to the side, and in his journal writes one of the explorers, and so we found a dismal little niche and spent the night there. And I thought, what a brilliant thing that they would name this rest area after this one little spot in the Explorer's Journal, this dismal little niche. And it was that dismal little niche. And I could understand how it would be frustrating because from the niche you could start to see the ocean. But the Columbia River is not like the San Gabriel, where at any point on the San Gabe here in Georgetown, you think, if I had to, I could cross that. The Columbia River is massive. And so they're looking out and they can almost see the ocean and they camp in this dismal little niche. Well, we're about an hour at this point from Seaside. In fact, if you were a fan of the Goonies, from where we were, we could see the Goonie house over in Astoria, Oregon. Little fun fact. Across the river. But Chelsea and I pull up and we're like, ah, maybe we want to go over there, see the Goonie house. And then we find out there's a big kind of Goonie festival happening. And we're like, What we're not about right now is a ton of people. And so we're looking, what's something fun we could do? We're here. 
and I go, uh, hold up. There is something just 20 minutes west of here called Cape Disappointment. And if we've gone to the dismal niche, I want to go to Cape Disappointment. And so we plug it into the GPS and we drive out and find one of the most beautiful sights we've seen. Because what Cape Disappointment is, is it's a state park up there in Washington, and it has a museum for the end of the Lewis and Clark journey. And then it has some hiking trails, which take you out to the Coast Guard Lighthouse, which sits at the top of the Cape. A fur trader sailing from Canada along the shore at one point was looking for a bay to anchor in for the night and saw this point and saw that there was a bay on the other side. Well, what it actually was, was the Columbia River Gorge or the Columbia River Shoals. And so it was very shallow and his boat wouldn't fit there. So he named it Cape Disappointment because he was disappointed that he had nowhere to anchor. It was too shallow. But still functioning today, atop Cape Disappointment is a lighthouse. A welcome and a warning for all the ships to let them know that this is not a bay, this is the Columbia River. Even in the days of navigation and GPS, the lighthouse still functions to let these ships know what's happening. Today in our readings, we see Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. And as he writes, he's writing to two audiences that would have been present at this church. The Jewish audience and the Gentile audience. So when he starts off in our section and he talks about those who are uncircumcised and those who are circumcision, he is talking about those who are Gentiles and those who are Israelites, those who are Jewish followers of God. And his encouragement in these passages is to say, listen, what Jesus has done in his fulfillment, in his coming to fulfill the law and the prophets, is that those of you who were far off have been brought near. And those who were near, you now get to welcome into the family those who were far away. And in fact, those who are near, he has shown you the family. He has shown you what it means. Right before this comes one of the most well-known verses in Scripture, Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, so that no one may boast. Paul writes those words and then immediately follows it up saying, listen, and this is everybody, because he knows that those who have been in the faith for a long time will look higher on themselves and say, well, we've been here, we know the way. And Paul says, no, no, no. It is by grace through faith that you've been saved. It's not your doing, it's the doing of Jesus. And in that doing, we welcome those who were near, those who were far off. Jesus guides them all to safe harbor. 
he brings all of them in safely to himself. And what I love about these passages is it is just an explicit look at hope. That there is hope found in who Jesus is. There is hope found in what he has done for us. That as we read Ephesians 2, it starts off deeply rooted in grace for us. And it continues by saying, and listen, if you were far off, or if you were near, you are a part of the family. You have received the riches. Last week we talked about riches of grace. Today we talk about the riches of the saints, of being in the family. It is hope, it is peace, it's strength. Because Paul will write and say, listen, you are being built into a holy temple of God. You're being built as that people into his dwelling place. And I love that that hope that we have, that we can look ahead and look forward and say, no matter what is happening around us, our hope is not anchored in the world. Our hope is not anchored in politicians, our hope is not anchored in economics, our hope is not anchored in health, our hope is anchored in Jesus. Because when the tides come, when our ships start to drift and move towards the rocks, when the cape juts out and we miss it, the lighthouse is there reminding us where home is, where our identity lies, the riches of the saints, is that as we encounter the world, we engage in everything around us, but it is none of it our hope. Our hope lies in Jesus, the light of the world. I have a good friend, his name is Tanner. Um, Tanner does a lot of poetry, and um, one of the phrases that he uses a lot is hope doesn't let the story end. And I love that idea because as Christians, we look at that and we say, hope doesn't let the story end. For us, there seems to be a lot of endings lately. I mean, thankfully, 2020 ended, right? We're glad for that. But it seems like around us, there are so many endings. There are so many places we can lose hope. But we return to that light. We return to that calling, that riches of the saints. That is by grace we've been saved through faith. And so hope in that does not let our story end. That hope calls ships to safe harbor. That hope brings us in to the safety, to the comfort, to the peace. Whether far off or near, to Jesus. Now here's the thing. Ships don't exist to live in the harbor. 
The reason there are lighthouses is because the ships have to go out. And so for us, that safe harbor of who Jesus is, it's not just about being here on a Sunday morning. It's not about retreating from the world. It's about continuing on in that Ephesians verse. Ephesians 2, 9 and 10 then says, if you've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, you are his workmanship to do the good works that he has called you to do. It's almost as if, staying in our metaphor for this morning, the lighthouse shines lights out that are then reflected by ships on the ocean that reflected out further and further into the darkness. Do those ships need times of rest and recuperation, of slowing down and being in the safe harbor? Yes. But the intention of being in harbor is to go back out, to shine that light, to reflect who Jesus is wherever we go. I think right now, in our neighborhoods, in our places of work, in our friendships, in our families, we need hope. We need to be reminded of that identity. We need to love people where they are instead of trying to drag them to shore. We need to reflect that light out into the darkness. As Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, this is a church that understands struggle to the point that when Paul first was there and preaching the gospel, he was almost run out of town because Ephesus was a place of silversmiths and of idols. And Paul was preaching against those to the point where people were losing their income because so many Christians were being made that they stopped buying all the silver. And so the silversmiths came after Paul. He doesn't write this from safety. He's already had that experience, and now he's actually writing from prison in Rome. Paul knew what it meant to go out to do the good works that God had prepared for us. But going out does not mean that we are hopeless. It does not mean that we are left behind. In fact, we were far off and he has brought us near. He has brought us so close that our identity is wrapped up in him. In fact, the Spirit makes us his temples. The temple, the lighthouse, doesn't stay in one place. It goes wherever the people of God go. The riches of the saints is that God dwells in and amongst us. We are no longer far off. We are near. Jesus goes with us wherever we go. He goes in front, behind, to the side. And we live in hope. Sometimes it may feel as if we're existing in a dismal little niche. It may look and we go, oh, there's Cape Disappointment once again. But no matter what is happening around us, we who were far off 
have been brought near. The riches of the saints is that God dwells in us, Jew and Gentile, which today we could say, all Christians, he dwells in us. But we don't hoard that. You all know the old song, and if you don't, wow, I'm teaching you something new this morning. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to hide it under a bushel. I'm not going to it out. I'm going to let it shine. And we shine that light because the light is in us. We don't do it perfectly. We don't get it right every time. But that's the good news of that identity, that lighthouse, that power source. Jesus dwells in us. Our sins have been forgiven, and we rejoice and step out into the world to shine a light wherever we go. In dismal niches, Cape Disappointment, in Georgetown, in Round Rock, in Taylor, in Thrall, in Austin. Wherever we go, we shine that light because of who we are. We were far off. The waves were crashing. The world seemed to be coming in on us. It was a storm, and we looked out, and we saw the light that called us home. We who were far off have been brought near. And so we go out to do those good works, not because it makes us better, not because that's what we need for salvation, but that's because our identity has been changed. And we live in the joy of the Lord to go out and do his works. And I think as we do those things, we'll see our lives changed, our hearts transformed, and we'll find more joy in the Lord and less joy in the things that would let us down. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the light that shines for us. Thank you for Jesus and what he did, that he would be the cornerstone. He would be the light calling us home. Lord, let us not only live in the safety of the harbor. If we need that recharge, if we need to slow down, let us rest in the safe harbor of your love, in the safe harbor of knowing that your grace is already redeemed. But Lord, may we go out and be lights in the storm to others who need it. Lord, may we go out and love Christian and non-Christian alike, all of our neighbors, those we agree with and those we don't. Because Lord, we know that you first loved us that when we were far off, your light shone into darkness and brought us near. We pray this all in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.